Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, I am sharing a message for the church. I trust the Lord uses it to encourage and build you up. And here is this week's message. The name, bless my brother, in Jesus' name, Lord. Father God, that the preparation of his heart will fully be used this morning in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good? There we go. So as you can see here, um, this is the flyer. Um, so Monday nights at here, uh, located here at 530, we're doing these uh, prophecy workshops. Uh, for those of you who've been coming, it's been pretty fun, hasn't it? Because there's not, it's not teaching intensive. It's not just a big lecture. It's we're all getting together and we're practicing this. You know, we're kind of learning how to do this uh, in a in a controlled environment, right, in a safe environment where if we get it wrong, hey, we can get it wrong because we're all learning. It's like babies learning how to walk, you know, they keep falling over until they get it right, and that's what this is designed for, for us to get some practice. So yeah, so uh, if you're interested, sign up on the sign-up sheet so that way we know, let me know if you're coming, um, if you haven't already, um, but uh, if you want to come in on Zoom, let Jerry or I know so that we can make arrangements to turn on the Zoom meeting. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's only six more left. We're, we're basically doing these on Mondays through August, and then we'll wrap that that portion up on the, this prophecy stuff. So, so in in line with that, we're going to do a message today. That's because we're interspersing, right? We, we started a series in Hebrews, then we launched this class. We're doing a little bit of Hebrews, a little bit of prophecy, back to Hebrews. So we're kind of interspersing it that way. So this is our our third message on uh, the prophecy series. And we're going to look at um, what we did last week in terms of the Lord using sight in terms of uh, engaging the prophetic. So as we work through this, uh, we're going to look at some biblical examples of how God uses sight, both physical sight and spiritual sight, uh, to communicate to his people. Uh, particularly, we're going to look at um, a big chunk of scripture from Isaiah and a big chunk of scripture from Jeremiah that uh, involve uh, the use of sight. So we're going to start with Isaiah. Um, Isaiah's vision, it's uh, it's a very famous one, out of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. So I'm just going to start reading. You can follow along here if you want. And it states, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go. And tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. 
Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined. Uh-oh. Technological difficulties. And without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted, and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. So that's Isaiah's vision. We're going to come back and unpack uh, some of that here in a little bit. But I want to get to uh, the Jeremiah passage as well. So now we're going to fast forward to Jeremiah. Because Israel's writing, I'm uh, sorry, Isaiah is writing um, of the coming doom of the exile. Like, doom is coming, exile is, is getting ready to happen. And Jeremiah, in a similar time frame, is going to be speaking uh, about the exile as well. They call Jeremiah the weeping prophet, because um, he wrote Lamentations as well. So this is Jeremiah 1, 1 through 19. Um, and before I get started, both of these are basically, um, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they're, they're, they are like commissioning visions. The Lord is commissioning the prophets uh, to go forth. And um, so Isaiah 6, he's got this, this vision of the temple of the Lord um, and his relationship to that. And then Jeremiah this is going to be his commissioning, and he has a different type of vision and a different way of communicating with the Lord. <clears throat> so Jeremiah 1, verses 1 through 19. says, The words of Jeremiah the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. Hmm, so here's the call. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to, send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid for them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see a branch of an olive almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me a second time. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, From the north, Disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones, 
to the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me in burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready, stand up, and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. So those are some pretty big visions, right? Some pretty big words of the Lord. If that came to me, I would probably ask the question, is that really him or is that me? <laughs> because when we try to hear the voice of the Lord, like a lot of times we get interference in our own minds and our own words I mean, that's why whenever I have prayer journals, I started putting in parentheses things that I think might just be coming from me, but I can't really tell. It doesn't really seem like it fits. So, um, but these, these are words that came forth for Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah. So we're going to look at Isaiah's uh, passage first. So Isaiah 6. We see that Isaiah had a vision. Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I don't have it molded out in my head. Isaiah, I believe Isaiah comes before Jeremiah. Um, because Isaiah, well, this, it's the tricky part because Isaiah has a prophetic span of 120 years. That's why so many scholars think that Isaiah was actually written by two people. It covers 120 years worth of material. And Jeremiah only covers uh, this one, um, mostly about uh, Judah, Israel and Judah, so we're at the divided kingdom at this point. Um, so we're really looking at between, before 722 B.C. for Jeremiah. And Isaiah, I mean, depending on where you pick it, um, I think, I couldn't actually give you the dates right now. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, I usually am really good at, at pulling up the context, and I didn't this time. So, But I can get you those dates. I, so, sorry about that. <clears throat> So Isaiah's vision, he says, He saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So we know this is a vision, and this isn't something that he's physically seeing, um, because we know that Isaiah was not a priest. So Isaiah would not have been allowed in the, this holy part of the temple where the throne of God would be, which would be the Ark of the Covenant. So he's seeing a vision of heaven. Uh, because the laws would prevent him from being able to see this inside the Holy of Holies. So he's seeing a vision, and what we see happening with Isaiah in particular is he describes what he's seeing. He's seeing the angels shining, holy, holy, holy. The glory of God, the smoke, is filling the temple. And as they're singing, it's shaking the threshold, like the doorposts and the, you know, that threshold, that little beam that separates rooms. It's all shaking because of their, their song. And so he's finding himself, just a, a lowly human being, 
in the presence of absolute holy perfection. And what ends up happening is that he starts being impacted physically and psychologically. And that's why um, he just he can't contain himself and he shouts out, woe is me. Now, woe in the Bible is, is a Hebrew word for meaning utter destruction. So whenever we read, like even in, in when Jesus is talking about the seven woes, like woe means destruction. So Isaiah is saying, woe is me, I am being destroyed, right? Like pretty much I have died and I am forced into the presence of the Holy God. So he's, he's making a declaration that like I am under the attack of destruction because of this perfect holiness and I am clearly imperfect, I am clearly unholy. And so he's crying out, woe is me! And, and the way he says it, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Like he realizes, like in that holy presence, just how unclean he is. And that he is just unclean, there's nothing good of him that he can produce for God. And he's saying that like I'm being destroyed because I'm I have seen God. I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So for him, it feels like, like he, he says, I am undone, right? I'm ruined, depending on your translation. For him, it felt like he was coming apart. Have you ever heard of those ideas like, like when you come into like, always like uh, mo molecules coming into intense heat, right? Like water, starts, the molecules start breaking apart, right? And you start getting steam as, a, as they start to dissipate. So he's kind of feeling something like this in his body, that he's just like dissipating, like, and um, his perfection is coming into contact. Um, and it's almost, you know, like the, the, the silversmith, whenever they heat up the silver and all the impurities float to the top, that's what's happening, right? Because all of his impurities are just floating right up to the surface, right there, and they're there for everything in that room to see. And he's basically having a freak-out moment. So I can relate to this in some degree. Um, I, I had... About 20, 20 years ago, oh no, chronological anomaly, everything happens 20 years ago, right? <laughs> is, um, there was this point when uh, I had just gotten back from a, a missions trip and was just completely like leveled and exhausted physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I, I had a worship time in the living room by myself, listening, listening to some worship songs, had the lights out, and was lying on the carpet. I can remember this. And the presence of the Lord just came down so strong that I quivered a little bit. I was just, you know, it's almost like, like when you're gripping onto something and your like, arm starts shaking. My, my son does that now. He, he, he grips so much that his arms just start shaking. And, and I was having a moment like that with the, with the presence of the Lord because it was so intense. And it did, it felt like like the outer layer of my skin was just dissipating like steam coming off of the water. And like, had my roommates not been in their rooms, I probably would have just started screaming because it was that intense. But I was like biting my tongue because I didn't want to like freak them out. But there's this experience when you come in contact with God that like there's an intensity that happens that affects us 
psychologically that affects us even physically. That was, that was what I would call my Isaiah 6 experience. Um, but whenever people encounter the presence of the Lord, it shows up in, in different ways. They have different reactions. Um, another time I remember uh, a guy that I was mentoring, like, like I was introducing him to like meditating with the Lord and kind of the way I did it, you know, I'd put the chants on. Some of you came in on the Monday night and had some chants going. And I, I had the candles going, had some incense, you know, just my own personal thing. But I, I invited him into that just so he could see that experience. And, um, and after we got done, like, he was like, he was floored, almost like waking up groggy, like hair's all disheveled, you know. And we went for a walk, and he was like debriefing with me, like what he experienced. He goes, man, as soon as you set that stage and you invited the Holy Spirit to come, I didn't, me, I didn't notice any of this. I, I didn't sense any of this. I just, you know, presence of God. He just, he saw just a, a ton of angels just flying all over the place, which kind of freaked him out because he didn't, he didn't see that a lot anyway. And then he gets transported to visions of different parts of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And so he goes through this whole sequence of like angels and visions of the past and visions of Jesus that just totally floored him and he took a while to like recover from that. Not quite the same experience I had, but kind of on par that when you come in contact, like you get affected. It, it touches you mentally, it touches you physically, and, and you could end up like when you wake up, just be like out of breath, like you just ran like two miles down the road. Um, but there are these, these times where we can have these visions of God. And Isaiah had one of these. Uh, and in this particular vision, this led to Isaiah's commissioning. Like God is commissioning him and we see, as he, as, he, as he blurted that out, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, that one of the angels takes a burning coal and sears his lips, right? Now, if that really happened, he'd probably never be able to talk <laughs> because a, a searing hot coal would just melt the skin and everything. Um, but when we read Scripture... This is one of those few instances where we know what certain symbols represent in Scripture. And fire and hot coals in Scripture represent two things, almost two sides of the same coin. On one, it represents a level of judgment. Fire represents judgment. On the other hand, it represents purification. Fire represents uh, purifying. And so what happened is happening here is that Isaiah is saying, I'm unclean, I'm impure. And the angel brings this hot burning coal and touches his lips. And he says, there, now you've been purified. You've been purified by the holy fire. Hmm. Also to kind of go with that, you see whenever there are commissionings, a lot, not all the time, in Scripture, usually there is a focus on a part of the body that will be involved with the ministry that God's calling somebody into. Isaiah, hot coal on the lips, because you're going to be proclaiming the word of God. Jeremiah, the angel, touched, God touched his lips. I put my words inside your mouth. If you see Moses, he shows up. What's his call? 
take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. What was Moses' calling? To lead a trek of the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. So you see this focus on certain body parts that are associated with the call of the ministry and the characteristic of it. And so the angel declares, your guilt is taken away, right? And your sin is atoned for. So God is calling him to speak these holy words. So that's Isaiah's vision. He sees this happening, right, in a vision. Now, we don't know if it's a waking vision or if it's a sleeping vision, you know, like a dream. Um, We don't know, but it happens both ways. But he has this encounter uh, b- before he starts his ministry um, as a prophet in Israel. And then with Jeremiah's vision, something similar. Hmm, uh, Jeremiah's vision starts out, doesn't start out with a, with, uh, a vision. It starts out almost like we, we did with Samuel. I don't know if you guys were here when I did the, the first, uh, the second prophetic message where we talked about how God communicated with Samuel. And it kind of took on this conversational tone that there was a back and forth that was talking. And that's how Jeremiah starts out. So the first instance is kind of like that, where it's conversational, and the Lord you know, talks to Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks back, there's a little thing. But once that conversational tone gets established, the Lord moves into a different format of communicating that's, that we don't typically see with Samuel's interaction. So what happens is, The Lord uses the conversation to draw Jeremiah's attention to objects. And then God sets up these object lessons for the prophetic, which, you know, I remember being, you know, in youth group and they'd always use object lessons, you know, take a jar, fill it with big rocks. Ooh, that's really full. Then you fill it with little rocks. Oh, it's even more full. You can't pack anything else. Then you fill it with sand, right? And so you just keep putting more and more stuff in there. So God's using this object lesson for Jeremiah. And the first one, he starts it out going, what do you see, Jeremiah? Right? So we don't know if the first thing he sees is, a, is a, just a picture vision or if he's actually looking at something in nature, which happens both times in scriptures. He says, what do you see? And Jeremiah goes, I see um, an olive tree branch, or not a, an almond tree branch, almond, Allah, an almond tree branch. And God says, you've seen correctly because I'm watching to see my words fulfilled. Now we lose something in the English translation here because uh, the Hebrew scriptures, like whenever they write them, they really liked to do plays on words, puns, if you will. And so here, the Lord is saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah goes, Lord, I see a shaked. And a shaked is an olive, an almond branch. And the Lord said, you have seen right, because I am shakad, I am watching. So almond branch and watching in Hebrew, shaked and shakad, like there's this play on the words there. And so God actually uses, and that's something we can take in terms of us using sight for the prophetic, is that there might be something that, that sounds like what it is, right? Like, I see your name is Michael, right? Or Mikey. And then that might sound like saying, my key. And so the Lord might be saying something about a key for somebody. You know? So there's these plays on words that, that happen. And that's what's happening here. Is that you see correctly. Shaked. 
And then the second one, that's not a play on words, he says it comes again. What do you see? And that's where Jeremiah says, I see a burning pot tilting towards us from the north. And the Lord was using that vision to denote the amassing of the armies of the north coming against Judah. Um, and uh, talking about like this exile that's going to come. And so the Lord is declaring this thing is going to happen from the north. So sometimes God will use ordinary images, right? So he'll, an olive branch, okay. Sometimes it's a bizarre image, a burning pot, a boiling pot, right? That, that vision that Moses had, not Moses, Abraham had, where he, he takes and he like splits all the animals, right? And sets them, makes a little path of like the animal halves. And then like the flaming torch comes, and then the flaming pot comes. Like, it's kind of a bizarre imagery. It, it meant something more specific to Abraham in those days. We'd have to unpack that. There's a whole message on that. But the Lord uses these images to communicate to us. So sometimes he'll use an ordinary image, an almond branch, right? Sometimes for us, like we'll see a maple leaf. Oh, a maple leaf. Well, maybe the Lord's got something for Canada, right? Who knows? <laughs> but it, it, it can be ordinary, right? I know Kara has, has developed a habit that anytime she gets stopped by a train, God tells her to pray for somebody or something, right? Like, I see a train, okay, time to pray. And so there's these things that the Lord uses in everyday life to communicate stuff to us. Then there are images that may not be so ordinary. We just see things. Like I remember one time I was a teenager. I know I was a teenager because I was driving my first car, 1986 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. And I liked it. It was sharp. You know, and I liked to drive the back roads fast back in the day back before any of this new modern stuff, right? And I remember driving back from somewhere. It was dark. It was night. I was by myself, going around a curve. And I just got this face of a young lady and just the prompt to pray. So I prayed for whoever this young lady was. I prayed that the Lord would intervene and whatever it was. To this day, I have no clue who that lady is. 30 years later, I, I don't have a clue. Maybe I'll find out in heaven. And maybe it was just my imagination just popping up a face. I don't know. But I felt prompted to pray. So I prayed. It's an image. And uh, I, you know what? I'd rather, in my effort to be obedient, do something, than in my effort to discount something, be disobedient. Like, what harm is it, right? If a, if a, if a face pops into my head and I pray about it, like, what, what harm can come of that? <laughs> I mean, like, at, at the very end, somebody who has that likeness has gotten prayed for by God, you know, like from God. So anyway, that's, God uses stuff, right? Sometimes ordinary, sometimes uh, not ordinary. <clears throat> the important thing is, if we get those images, be in communication with the Holy Spirit because he's the one that's going to reveal the deeper meaning, the understanding for a particular instance. That's why I, I'm very suspicious, and, and you guys have heard me this on Monday nights, I'm very suspicious in the prophetic arena when somebody has a sheet of paper or a published book to tell you what objects mean in visions. Be and, and this is why. Because every situation, every person 
has a very specific connection to things that might mean something completely different. There is no universal meaning for things other than a few things that we can find in Scripture, right? And even at that point, when you're doing the prophetic, that might not even be related to the meaning in Scripture. It might be something, some person might have a very specific relationship with cats that would mean something completely different than a person who absolutely hates cats. Just saying, you know, this word for this person might mean something different if there's a cat in there than when this person has a, a, something with a cat. Hmm. And also, the goal is not to, to know all of the meanings of everything. The goal is to hear the Holy Spirit's heart for that particular individual at that time. And I'll add on top of that, to further my suspicion, is that a lot of your modern image and dream interpretation is rooted in Carl Jungian psychoanalytics. All right, if anybody knows about Carl Jung, he's, he wrote the book on psychoanalytics. He was a disciple of Sigmund Freud, which is bad enough as it is. And if you ever read his accounts about how he came to his understanding with the visions that he had, it's kind of weird. So when he gets into like the whole subconscious thing, we're not doing that in the prophetic. Like There might be a place for that in a therapy session. When we're doing the prophetic, we want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to somebody for life, for freedom, for love, for salvation, for the peace of God. The, the, the end point does not need the psychoanalytics, does not need dream interpretation books, symbol interpretation books. We need to hear from the Lord what he's saying to somebody. That's why I'm suspicious in ministry settings of using tools like that. And I'm suspicious if somebody has a big old book about this is what a sparrow means. Like, like in terms of the prophetic, it might, that might be useful in a different context, but in a ministry context, it doesn't. And so that's why as a minister, right, not a therapist, when I'm ministering, I'd be suspicious of using those tools. So anyway, that's my little rant. I'll step off the rant now. Off my sofa. Yes? Uh, where? Could be the words. Oh. Um, so it could be an image or a scene or a vision or a dream. So if you hear the Lord say, hey, Juan, look at that fan. What do you see? You know? Or, Kara, what do you see? You know? When, when he... When he when you feel the prompting of the Lord to focus in on a particular object that you see, that's what that means. So he's just calling you to look at that. And so that's actually leading into our next section, so I guess Twilight got ahead of me here. <laughs> we have to pay attention to what the Lord draws our attention to. So if we're engaged in, in speaking with the Lord, using prophetic vision, right, whether physical sight or whether uh, spiritual, we have to pay attention to what our attention gets drawn to. And we did these exercises last week, right? Like I, I had a, an image, uh, that fire hydrant out there. I had something related to that fire hydrant last week and how it just doesn't fit in the scenery. We have this whole scenery of green. If you look out, there's this red fire hydrant. It's like that old uh, Sesame Street song, one of these things just doesn't belong here. Well, that's that red fire hydrant, I can tell you right now. Um, but there's a whole other thing related to that. So whatever the Lord draws your attention to, and you might hear the words, look out the window, look at the wall, what do you see? So it could be like that. And that is an invite to reply to the Lord 
I see this. And to see if the Lord's going to unpack that a little bit more to give a deeper meaning for somebody. Like we said, it could be a, a physical object, like the fire hydrant. It could be a scene. You know, you could look out the window and you just see traffic driving by and then you see a big semi-truck and then you see a Ferrari. And like there's a whole scene that plays out, right? And the Lord might be saying something out of that whole scene that gets put together. And, but whenever that happens, it's an opportunity to us to, to reply to the Lord, to respond by putting a little bit more mental energy into it. You know, usually when I look down the road, I'm like, yeah, there's some traffic. And I don't pay much attention to it. But maybe something catches my eye, and I, I, the Lord's calling me to put a little bit more mental energy into that. Study it out a little bit, because he's going to tell me something. And so that, that prompts the conversation to ask and to listen what he's trying to say. And, and to say, like, well, who is this for? Like, like, what is this for? And then the Lord will begin to reveal that. Usually. Yeah. Like, I had a vision once. I had a vision once. And I was like, it doesn't feel like it's the person in this room. And he's like, it's the person wearing an orange hat. How many people you see wear an orange hat? No one in the room had an orange hat. But then I walked in out in the hall, and someone had a bear's hat because it was winter time and it was bright orange and it was for that per- for that person you know so it's it's also listening like who who it's for too yeah thank you Kara thank you real life example right there wham happens today not 2000 years ago right or four, 4,000 years ago, counting this stuff. Hmm. So in conclusion, yep, kept it short and sweet as much as I could. Um, save you guys some attention span. Um, in conclusion, maybe we've had these experiences, maybe we haven't. I'm guessing, since you guys are part of TGP, and I know all of your faces, you know us pretty well, you're pretty open to this kind of stuff. Otherwise, I'm guessing these messages would have probably ran you out the door. <laughs> So, but who knows, like, how deep our experiences are with these, right? Like, I've got my experiences, you've got your experiences. Maybe you've never had a, a vision, right? Maybe you've never seen something like that. Maybe, maybe you've heard something from the Lord every once in a while. Maybe you see it all the time. Maybe it's a daily thing. I, I don't know. Like, I, the more I get to know you guys, the more I kind of get a feel for it. But I don't fully know. Or maybe we've had those experiences in like a non-Jesus-centered arena. You know, Jerry was just talking about occult practices with animal sacrifices. Like, so you, you do have to know that like, the other side uses this stuff as well. The other side uses visions, uses, and knowing the difference. And that's why on the Monday nights, what I end up doing, we start out every Monday night... Uh, doing a, a renunciation prayers and repentance prayers um, to kind of get those like bad experiences to the cross, to get those out of our minds so we're not bringing that baggage into the session. And I, I think that's very important, which is basically uh, inner healing 101, if you guys are curious. Maybe you're not, whatever. But for those, if we're listening to this, we're open to these things. And... 
maybe we want more. Maybe we want more. Or maybe we're like, hey, I'm, I'm good. I'm walking with the Lord. I like to be around it. I agree with it theologically. That's why I'm here. But I don't want to have visions of burning pots coming out of the north. That's between you and the Lord. <laughs> um, I find for me, like it's, it's not that I'm asking for it. I'm, I find that like the Lord just does it, and I have to deal with it. He just, that's the way he is with me. You're like, do this. All right. So... <laughs> it does happen that way, right? Is that what, isn't that what he told Peter? Like, you're young now, and you, you go where you want to go, and you dress yourself, but the day's going to come where you're not going to dress yourself, and people are going to lead you to where you don't want to go. Right? Eh, it happens. So, all right, so as we're going to wrap this up, um, this is an invite. If, if somebody in here or even on the podcast that's listening in wants to encounter more of the Lord wants to encounter the Lord more in the category of prophetic sight, whether it be visions or just the Lord speaking through nature or scenes, we're going to pray for that. Uh, you don't have to pray out loud, but you can pray silently if you like. Hmm. And we're going to also pray for if anybody, everybody in here as a believer, so anybody on the podcast, if you've heard this, if you're interested, we're going to pray a prayer if you want to have a, a deeper encounter with the Lord uh, with some of this. So, our first prayer is this. Um, this is for people who know the Lord that want an increase in encountering the prophetic, is what we call it, um, communication with the Lord using sight. Uh, so we're going to do Lord Jesus... I don't know all of this very well, but I ask you to increase my prophetic sight. Let me see things, whether they're real objects that you want to speak to me through, or dreams and visions that you wish to reveal things to me. Show me, teach me, explain to me, guide me, to those that I can share them with and who can help me. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it, just an ask for an increase. Uh, and the second one, if, if you've encountered what we call the other side of this, uh, the not-so-holy side, and you don't really know the Lord, and this has got your interest because you've had those experiences, I have too, I experienced... Uh, the satanic and the demonic and the witchcraft before I became to faith. That's why I'm charismatic, because I've seen too much on the other side to just ignore it. If that's you, and you want to know this Jesus that I know, and to have a solid foundation to be able to stand against that, and to see how this can be done in a good way, in a holy way, in a right way, then pray this with me. Jesus, I don't know you, but from what I've heard with this man, you're real and that you really like to talk to people. And if that is so, please show yourself to me that I may believe. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I surrender myself to you. I acknowledge that I have put myself higher than you in my own eyes, which is a rebellion against you. Jesus. So I ask you to forgive me 
I ask you to save me, and I ask you to show me a better way with you being at the center and not me. And any experiences I've had with unholy prophetic sight, take that out of me and replace it with holy sight from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to wrap us up in prayer, um, and then Twilight can come up and do our final song and close us out. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you do communicate with us, whether it be through sight, through words, through just speaking to our mind and our hearts, conviction from the Holy Spirit, through your scriptures. We know you're alive and well. And Jesus, we celebrate that in this church. And we ask for more. We want more of you. We want more of who you are. And we want to be more about the business of heaven than the business of anything else. So Holy Spirit, come and move on each and every one of us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Reveal to us in ways that we respond to you, that we draw closer to you and understand you better. We give you the thanks, the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello again. This is Pastor Todd. I pray the Lord uses my message today to strengthen your walk with God. If you are blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of The Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. The portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Place podcast. God bless you and have a great week.